0: just as you have to eliminate. So that everything is renewed because it can happen again without being boring. Things that happen all the time in any way uh, begin to uh, pass out of consciousness. For example, if there is a constant noise going on while we're talking, it will annoy us at first, but after a while we shall cease to notice it. If it's constant. But if it keeps varying, coming on in different volumes, and different rhythms, it'll hold our attention all the time. So anything that just goes diggity-ding, 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 you eventually cease to notice. So then, sleep is the renewer, because it forget it's a state of forgetfulness.
2: Oh my god, what in the world is that sound? That is the question that I've got for you today. What is that random, creaky, fan, ventilation system metaphor for whatever thing in your life is just background noise and you don't realize that it's on because it's been on for the last 10, 6, 5, 4 years. Take a moment, step back, analyze, observe, see what the heck is going on there and if there's anything that you can potentially be excluding from your personal experience. Step outside of the box, observe, observe, observe. Today, I spoke with... Mr. Dan Party. Um, Dan Party, one of the smartest people that I know, especially in the realm of sleep. Um, we got into everything, all the ins and outs of how to sleep like a bad mofo, and uh, really, really fantastic conversation. Uh, I would consider Mr. Dan a friend of mine. Uh, we got into chatting about freaky psychedelic dance parties and getting into a little bit more abstract movement process which uh, I am all about as you know we can now have a lot more light when it's dark than
3: we could ever before and all throughout all human history and that is what feels completely normal to be within an environment that has artificial light is actually pretty abnormal to our to our physiology and so what ends up happening is that that the timing of our rhythms tends to shift. You know, for years I would wake, I'd like wake up on a Sunday, I'd set my alarm, um, and then I'd go to this club called the End Up, where people had been up all night, and I'd dance for like four hours in the morning, and that was, you know, yeah. <laughs> These trillions of bacteria that live within us, they have their own twenty-four hour cycles, as you were saying, and um, and so we we know that circadian rhythms our circadian rhythms as the host not only affect our own genes but also affect the activity of these of these microbiota
2: so i'm wandering around this really beautiful pool here in um, i'm in javier spain the little peninsula over on the east eastern coastline and uh cruising around this backyard of my new buddy arturo and uh yeah, super interesting here. I've uh, last night I got a little bit, slightly sick, feeling sore throat thing, and I'm here at this house, beautiful house, kind of like it's like a like a uh, Scarface mansion kind of thing, and um, interesting the experience of traveling and uh, being lonely. I think it's really, uh, it's fascinating what we end up doing to ourselves with Facebook and Twitter and whatever, Instagram, and we see each other's lives, and we think that everyone has to be doing better than what we are, because when you look at what everyone's posting up on their walls or whatever, it's like, wow, that person's life is just perfect. It's immaculate. Well, because all they post is pictures of them doing cool stuff. So, I'd like it to be known that uh, as I'm on this this big old journey of mine here, there are moments that are less optimal than others. Um, If you're driving around and potentially thinking, wow, what Aaron's doing is so cool and what I'm doing here in my job is just so boring, um, recognize that the grass is always greener on the other side and uh, what you're doing might be really cool. Or maybe it's time to uh, leave what you're doing, because maybe it's not that cool. <laughs> a little quote in regards to uh, the difference between loneliness and solitude, our perception thereof. Uh, this quote is by Mr. Paul Tillich, or Tillich, one of the two. He's a writer. He died like 50, 60 years ago or something. Um, Our language has wisely sensed these two sides of man's being alone. It has created the word loneliness to express the pain of being alone. And has created the word solitude to express the glory of being alone. Which one is is it? Is it glory or is it painful or is it both? How do we know the difference?
1: Even though we say in popular speech, I came into this world. Now it is not true that you came into this world. You came out of it. In the same way as a flower comes out of a plant or a fruit comes out of a tree. And as an apple tree apples, the solar system in which we live and therefore the galaxy in which we live and therefore the system of galaxies in which we live, that system peoples.
2: I tend to overeat sometimes when I am feeling lonely and then from there I go through a process of self-loathing because I ate too much. <laughs> Curious what do you guys do when you have moments of being feeling less than exceptional? How do you deal with that? How do you come back? How do you bounce back from it? Maybe that's why you're listening to this podcast for me to offer you suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so cruising around these places trying my darndest to learn about the history of this place and uh, fascinating history bouncing back and forth between Romans and the Muslims and then being retaken over by the Christian Empire and noticing um, as I've, I've already mentioned this pretty much but but uh, just that, that religion I think has turned into almost like a scapegoat to do horrible things to each other. (laughs) So it's like, I'm not doing this to you. I'm not stealing your land and killing all your people and pillaging everything just because I'm a jerk. I'm doing this in the name of God. (laughs) And then it's okay because it's not you. It's It's not your responsibility anymore. You're just carrying out the will of God. And it just so happens that the will of God bestows the resources of that land to you and your family and your friends. So anywho, noticing that with like castles, I, I as a stupid American used to think that castles, well, maybe not all castles, but I had this really amazing conception of castles as being this place where people, where like, like a town lived and it's like lived behind these big walls and there was jesters and people selling bread and hanging out in the courtyards and I thought it was pretty cool, like the Renaissance Fair. Then I realized that like, castles are just places for the, the king built because he's insecure and needs to create this humongous, nonsensical building in the name of himself and so him and his family can live there completely ridiculous. And then I've kind of had the sense, how much battery do I have left on here? My computer might die here anytime here. Um, But I kind of had the sense that uh, we all, maybe not all of us, I think me and a lot of the people that I know, most of the people that I know, have this kind of urge to build their own metaphoric castle. I think that that might be a big part of why I started this podcast. A big part of why I am pursuing a lot of things that I'm pursuing. Is to kind of like leave a mark in the world or some bullshit. And um, yeah, why do we do that? What's the castle that you're trying to build or not? Do you agree with that? Is it, uh, I think maybe there could be some degree of like fear of death. And so if you have, if you build your castle of stone and that landmark ends up being there for thousands of years, it's almost like you've left your mark. It's a similar concept of having children passing down the legacy. Is it just a fear of death? Is that what it all really comes down to? Anywho, another thing I'm noticing, (laughs) the countries that legalize marijuana are significantly nicer in my opinion, than the countries that uh, illegalize it. Going to Amsterdam and going to Spain and going to, I'm heading to Portugal next, check that out, see how that goes. And uh, the states in the United States, Oregon, Washington, Colorado, uh, California's almost legal, Hawaii's probably getting close too. All these places, they're the best places in the world. And it's very interesting that we still have people out there that think that, It's the right decision to illegalize a natural plant that comes out of God's earth. It's insane. It's completely, absolutely insane (laughs) to think that God messed up and accidentally put a plant on earth that is is wrong, This is the wrong one. I'm I'm sorry, this one is, we need to do something about this as human beings. We need, to put a stop to this plant. That's unbelievable. Um, Yeah, just, just ridic. Check out the website, aligntherapy.com, A-L-I-G-N-therapy.com. On there you will find the blog. You will find hundreds of free videos on self care and functional movement. Um, In regards to the blog, I am traveling and uh, checking out various different movement practices as I go, I'm walking into my house right now to plug in the computer because that would be very sad if I lose all this. I have to go through this whole rant again. There you go. Um, So check out the blog if you get a chance. I'll be writing about uh, this journey, this trip, this traveling experience, and I am checking out various different movement practices from each region. So in Paris, France, I am writing about uh, contact improvisation, pretty cool stuff. They got a a thriving scene out there. I was staying in a dance studio and tinkering with contact improv while I was there. That was just fantastic. Here in Spain, I am getting connected with some people that do, uh, they they call it, it's called Castillers, or in Valencia, it's called like Moixaranga, and it's uh, essentially, it's human towers, people stacking. They stack like up to I think nine or ten uh, stories high, or nine or ten people high. Unbelievable. All sorts of metaphoric, symbolic stuff in there as well. Really, really interesting. But um, So I'm going to be kind of throwing myself in as a test dummy to these various different local movement practices, and uh, then writing about it, doing, doing uh, photos and videos and such, and kind of Bringing that to y'all, fine, beautiful people. Exposing what other cultures are doing around the world to express themselves in a physical fashion. Um, be sure to check out the self care kits. Balls, bands, all that stuff fits inside the foam roller. Check that out on the website. It's on Amazon as well. Self care kit, line therapy. That helps support this trip, support my life. Appreciate it. And, um, as well, subscribe, share, leave comments on iTunes. I will pick somebody that leaves comments while I'm on this trip and, uh, I will send you something radical from some random country, probably Morocco. Cause they got some cool stuff there. And, um, yeah, so I'll pick somebody at the end of the trip. I'll announce the lucky winner and send you out something cool. Hope you enjoy that. And the music of the week is some French hip hop for you. Um, I happen to love French hip hop. I think in the realm of hip hop, Anonymous they got they got going on. Um, this is I Am. This song is called To the World, and I have links to it on AlignTherapy.com website. And then at the end of this episode, you can hear the fool. Full song. This is just a little a little snippet. If this don't get you live, you might be dead, son.
0: Amour et haine, même chaîne, pouvoir, argent, même plan Crainte et ignorance, il y a l'évidence issue de la même graine La main de Dieu et celle du diable s'enfile dans le même gant Et quand ils savent pas, moi c'est souvent sur les mêmes têtes Les toi vert couleur pillées, regarde-les nous manipuler Et nous, braves marionnettes, on continue à s'entretuer Le cœur tellement plus noir que cet or ne verra jamais couler Ils en ont rien à foutre qu'un matin, tout menace de s'écrouler On veut du blanc, tu sais, couleur L de colombe Qui garde le rouge sans. Les balles de le feu et les tombes grises comme le ciel Jadis bleu comme la mer Ce qu'ils aiment c'est le qui et ses horreurs ouais. c'est retombées financières Même s'il y a foule au champ d'honneur Chaque soir la mort joue à guichet fermé Comme leurs yeux ce qu'ils aiment c'est compter Donc beaucoup de tomber J'en passe qui mêle Histoire de dire qu'il y en a marre d'elle Mais eux la kiffent trop Chaque fois ils demandent un rappel C'est juste un cri de paix contre leur guerre Sorti d'un gun microphonique On touche pas aux bombes Nous on chevauche sur un radiophoniques Et nos bras armés de plumes et de nos peines.
2: All right. Hope you enjoyed that. Here we go back with Mr. Dan. Make you wanna party? All right. A
1: line Podcast.
2: Do you get down in the electronic music scene, Dan?
3: Oh yeah. Dan is yes. my primary form of activity for
2: yes.
3: years. <laughs> years. Cool. Ahead. Yeah, that, that was my number one, you know, method of movement for
2: that's what I'm saying, man. You know, and that's that's the really interesting thing. And that's kind of a big part of the projection that I'm putting out from this, you know, medium here called The Align Podcast, you know, is getting into more broad, expansive, outside-of-the-box perspectives on movement. You know, because it's like everyone does the freaking linear workout. Like, duh, we figured that out. But we don't... Getting into all the weirdness that you can get with dance or break dancing or hip dance or African dance or whatever. It's like whoa all these whole new circuits that we didn't even know start lighting up you know what i'm saying absolutely i mean no
3: they absolutely i mean you are <laughs> so preaching to the choir here because okay, it's when you you know it's you're. there's so many good things about it i mean you I, not that i i like all forms of movement even if it's just like even if it's just walking on a treadmill and that's right. I, I enjoy it but getting but dancing you're Putting together so many different types of movements, and then there's you know you're, you're inspired by the music and the social surroundings and stuff. But I would, yeah. I used to you know for years I would wait I'd like wake up on a Sunday I'd set my alarm, um, and then I'd go to this club called the End Up where people had been up all night and I'd dance for like four hours in the morning and that was you know yeah, um, yeah and it was it was just incredible. So I you know I, I have a, a baby now and, and um, so I'm I'm doing it less and I miss it and I need to remind myself to do it at home. Because right. I used to do that all the time. I put some music on and just turn off lights and just dance and it was great. Yeah. But yeah. Well, that's
2: what I so I got these like these oversized headphones that make fantastic sound. They look a little funny, but they make good sound in my in my ears. And yeah, uh, you know, so if the music's not happening, I'll just go back to my house, crank these things up and just like move yep. in the yard for, for an hour. And that's yeah. that's the shit, man. Like I'm like <laughs> it's great. Yeah. You know, like that. I'm I'm happy with that. But I, I would like to have when I find the 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 mediums that have you know 200 people that are into that it's a lot more vibrational you know so it's a nice it's a nice thing to find that
3: anyhow oh okay you know completely and i mean i unfortunately like i don't know if exactly if it's the same way now the heyday was probably 2000 to 2005 maybe even 1998 to 2005 but there was a um i'll just give you a little story there was a uh a party called cool q-o-o-l and it was thrown at this art gallery one eleven minute and it was church for people it was exactly. it went it went from 5 p.m to 10 on a wednesday night and guess how long the party went on for not like in terms of a day but like how many years in a row it lasted
2: 25 years <laughs> 17 17 years that's awesome
3: longest running party at san francisco and um it was it was amazing it was just like the they, they kind of made fun of every other club so there were like everybody was a vip you know and right, the, right, you right. know like and you had uh, they had you had homeless people there you had people from the financial district you had you know students it was just a, it just drew doesn't matter what you're doing. If you just kind of were into that, and it just drew you there, and old and young. I mean, there were some like 60 65 year olds that were going every. You know, they were there all the
2: time. Yeah, it was amazing. Yeah, it,
3: you would have loved it. I can tell.
2: So, f FYI, I'm recording right now. So I usually Great. I just record everything, and like I, I, like I said, the whole organic thing. I like to see faces, you know. So yeah, yeah, organic conversation is where it's at for me. Is it's like welcome Dan Party. Here we go. <laughs> Yeah, completely. No, yeah. I was like, I was kind of hoping that you'd, you'd capture yeah, this because, right. you know,
3: I think mean, this is actually really valuable stuff yes, that exactly. people can, yeah, to use. And uh, yeah, it's well, um,
2: what you yeah. what you'd mentioned, though, that I think is really cool is that is the church piece, you know, and so yeah. I when I go into a lot of, you know, I'm very interested in religion. I'm very interested in just what people are doing. You know, I think it's very fascinating that we get really dogmatic with certain things and just watching people get into that dogma, whatever it is, whether it's right or wrong, I'm not here to judge, you know, but it's interesting to watch certain churches of sorts where people come together and they sit in this, you know, hunched over broken position and they listen, you know, and it's like, to me, I feel like God or whatever would be way more stoked about us just celebrating this existence <laughs> yeah you know it's so yeah going to those like music festivals or you know whatever it may be and you see that it's like this is church this is legit <laughs> you
3: know? yeah yeah you know i mean so it's it's been also interesting for me to watch i the, the topic of religion fascinates me and it has for years usually i'll really get into a subject and i'll just go deep on it for a little bit and then then something else will capture my attention but um but yeah i mean the the good and bad of religion is just, and the and the human element, the why we're attracted to it and everything is, um, it's so fun to discuss and to explore. But I'll tell you this: that I, having gone to Burning Man about five times, it's been a while now. You see people um, who, it is. I mean, it's hard to even. It's it's totally life changing for them. Yeah. Because, you know, if you think about Burning Man, you think, wow, there's this huge party and there's some cool art there. But they also have something called the Temple, which is um, a, a place of kind of a, where people will come and they'll write messages to a dog that died or, or a grandfather that passed away or a love that was lost. And there's lots of tears and it's, it's very somber. It's very, you know, it's like this holy, holy place. So it's, you know, if you it's hard to then kind of describe what's birdie man is without just kind of experiencing it. But what it's, it ends up being a much richer experience than a lot of people even think, thought it was going to be. And what you see is that some folks that are kind of searching for, I guess that, um, kind of a spiritual outlet that is not the traditional route. It resonates so much that they become like complete burners, you know? And what's also nice about it is that there's particularly on the San Francisco Bay area, there's so many communities that then meet all year long to develop an art project together or an art car or whatever. And so now you have not just this one time of year event that you go to, but there's also then this community where you meet regularly, you work on a project together. Right. And so it's yeah. you could see how like, okay, this is just a kind of a modern version of like this these these kind of time tested or age old attraction that we have to, you know, um, I don't know, working, you know, thinking thinking more deeply about about things that are less about work and less about, you know, what kind of paid the bills.
2: Right. You know, and that's something that I realized. I just got back from Symbiosis Music Festival in California. Freaking awesome. Amazing. And um, it nice. was something that I, I, I realized there is that they're my people <laughs> you know, to, yeah. to, to, to a high degree. A lot of people are kind of like burning burning their light out. You know, they're like they're yeah. blowing the blowtorch so hard and then they're out of gas. It's like they come back and they're sick and they look like death and that's not nice. You know, but but the people yeah. that are there for church, you know, which is why I'm there, you know, it's a whole entire different thing. And and it's and what I what I realize with that is that demographic of people, it's creating steam. They're getting yeah. they're they're developing momentum because it's, it's true. It's right. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you know and I, I think it's, it's, it's a very interesting thing when you can go to these places where people are, it's like, yeah, it's okay to be naked. Like no big deal, you know, or yeah. it's okay to move in a kind of a funny different way or it's okay to do whatever you want to do. I don't have judgment for that, man. Like it's not going to affect me. I don't, I don't need to kind of form your reality with my judgments. And so, if yeah. we can take that—the lessons we learned from those places—and bring them into Marin County and Bend, Oregon, and you know, society, yeah. I think it's that's it's huge. I think.
3: Well, I'll send you my photos from uh, Symbiosis because we were there too. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we didn't uh, didn't didn't know each other before that, but it uh, was not that great. It was such a—that's actually like my new favorite festival. And, God, it was and, good. Um, yeah, and just like all the education that's around it and. And we brought our two and a half year old, so it was just really fun to kind of watch him look at the art at night and to run around on the grass under the hub, and you know, and and uh, and go to Kid Biosis, and
2: yeah, it was it's a great place. Right, I'm surprised you didn't present there. I'm 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 surprised I didn't present there. I'm planning on presenting next year. I'm like in contact with the people. Like that's a path that I want to go: is get involved with these festivals and start communicating with these people, and like really just adding adding some oxygen to that fire. I think it's a really really good idea. So.
3: Yeah, love to hear you speak there sometime. It's yeah. um, I, li- I like this, uh, this kind of the unification of a lot of cool reasons for people to get together, right. At one event, so it's not just like an electronic music festival. It's not just an art thing. It's not just uh, a conference. It's all you, you go together. There's lots of cool options to kind of choose from. Plan your day. You get a little bit of everything, and you're around like minded people that are like just interested to you know experience life in a rich way so
2: right. yeah i like that i like that trend so so we should talk about sleep <laughs> let's do it <laughs> talk about sleep. We, uh, yeah so i i know that you've hit every possible angle of sleep on various other interviews and such i've listened to i think most of them you know and so i'd like to hopefully go down a little bit of a different path than normal and i think an interesting thing with sleep you know, a big part of that is, you know, you can take the perfect magnesium supplement or have the perfect chamomile tea or kava or whatever you're into. But if you are stressed out, if you're thinking about things, you know, your mind is racing, you know, then that is going to be pretty degenerative to your sleep. You know, so like what's, what are you, what's some of the top things that you're thinking about for people yeah. to, to really drop into? I can be at peace when I go to bed. I think that's a big thing for people. It's just the mind racing.
3: You know, that that is um, that is something that plagues a lot of people we have, you know, in our world today. And and even I think probably throughout history, there's moments of life where you're just really, um, uh, you know, there's just there's something that is just grabbing your attention and it will not let you drift off into into sleep. And but sometimes um, that happens with enough regularity and frequency that you end up developing some insomnia and you worry about getting to sleep, staying asleep. And then that that worry itself will then perpetuate, and it's a positive feedback loop. And I don't mean that in a, that it's positive. I just mean that it actually is kind of self-perpetuating. Right. And so um, the more you worry about sleep, the high that heightens your overall anxiety, and then that makes it harder to sleep too. So that's that is how oftentimes where acute acute insomnia will turn into more chronic insomnia. Right. Because um, a lot of there's again acute insomnia is if you just have a hard time falling asleep, you know, with le- for less than two weeks. Uh, Chronic insomnia is where it's now going beyond two weeks, and it's happening with more regularity. And people that tend to have chronic insomnia, they'll probably sleep fine some nights a week, but a couple nights a week, or even a couple really bad, you know, a couple nights a month, um, they're they're having their sleep impaired by an inability to shut it off. So that is not uncommon. There's also some other things that are happening that are affecting our alertness that are less that less obvious. Uh, that are basically controlling. So if you think about what sleep is, it's, it, there's a lot of ways to describe it, but it's a circadian rhythm and a circadian rhythm is a 24 hour, uh, repeatable process that affects all tissues throughout our body. And, uh, so sleep is one of those. And there's a period of time during a 24 hour period where we're sleeping and there's a period where we're awake. And the timing of that is then determined by what time of day the brain thinks that it is. Right. So now you can typically, if you're not trying to, um, you use a schedule that is uncommon, meaning like you're doing shift work. So you're you you know, you're up during the night and then you're sleeping during the day, which you can do. If you're just living according to um, the, kind of the natural signals, then it's much more common that you're going to arise when the sun is up and you're going to sleep when the sun is down. Yeah. And the reason for that is because hormones are um, – uh, so, well, there's a couple of different reasons, but one of those is that there are certain hormones that are released in response to darkness that then tell the brain, "Hey, it's dark," and then that will unleash this cascade of effects that will prepare the, the mind and the body for sleep. Um, so it's you know it's makes sense. We're we're um, we're not nocturnal, right? We're diurnal animals, and so we um, yeah, so we are up during the day and asleep at night. Um, now we've had we had this ability to. Uh, manipulate our light environment in the evening because of technology. So just over the last 150 years, we can now have a lot more light when it's dark than we could ever before in all throughout all human history. And that is what feels completely normal to be within an environment that has artificial light is actually pretty abnormal to our, to our physiology. And so what ends up happening is that that the timing of our rhythms tends to shift. And a good way to think about this is let's say you were to go to travel to a foreign country, right? You could, once you arrive, let's say you go to um, you know, Germany, you, you're, I'm, I'm in San Francisco, so I'm in San Francisco time right now. And when I arrived in Germany, my body would still be on San Francisco time. Even though I was now physically within, you know, German time, so all the environmental signals would be completely opposite of, or almost opposite of, what, where I am now. But over the course of days, probably about five to ten, my my own physio- my own biology would completely adjust to that new uh, time zones time, and so we ha- our bodies have the ability to make those sorts of adjustments. And because of that, if we're getting artificial light at night and we're not getting enough light during the day, then our, ri- our timing shifts, right? Mm. It costs, So we want to be up later and later at night because our brain thinks that it's still daytime. Right. And that means that this can lead to a very common experience, which is where people feel really asleep. They're sleepy during most of the day. And then right before bed, they feel alert and they can't go to bed. Right. And that can cause insomnia. So it can either do one of two things. It can prevent, it can cause a bit of insomnia, which is like, I want to go to bed at 10, but I can't fall asleep until 12. Or you can fall asleep, but it'll also make your sleep more shallow. And so then you wake up the next day, you don't feel as alert. And um, and so getting our, the, our rhythm timing locked down is really, really critical. And it's the first thing that I start with, with anybody that's experiencing any sleep issues, because who doesn't have environmental, you know, at, at, light at night, who doesn't have just room lights? screens that they're dealing with everybody does for the most part um and so so that's a really good first thing to address before you start taking any supplements before you start doing anything else address that first
2: and that you might get you know a huge amount of benefits just that alone might be everything that you need Right. And so something that I find interesting with that is, you know, I've heard, I learned, I learned about the suprachiasmatic nucleus from you. It wasn't something that I just conjured up myself. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so the suprachiasmatic nucleus, that's not my, not my department. You know, but, <laughs> but in relation, so that, that, that I'd like to get into that. initially sure. like, I'm, I'm not big on, you know, huge polysyllabic words, although I do find them quite, quite interesting to say, you know, but I, I'm all about actual information. You know, but for, in this case, getting into our perception of light and that, you know, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, so fun to say, in the hypothalamus, also fun to say, you know, (laughs) and and how that has a relation to every process, right? It's the master gland, our body. So we're thinking blood pressure, we're thinking appetite, we're thinking temperature regulation, we're thinking so much, you know, so I think that recognizing that sleep is beyond just, oh, I got an A on my test. It's like, well, why, 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 why? (laughs) yeah can we get into a little bit of that the 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 physiological impacts absolutely it's such it's so good to know
3: and and some of the stuff that i might say the listeners you know if you're listening to this right now you might not remember but uh, (laughs) still sharing sharing some of that information helps you form the connection and understand okay this is generally what's going on so even so it's still valuable um and so yeah so there are lights there we all know that there are um, receptors in the eye that are called rods and cones that will ter- turn light into um they transduce photons of light into a um, nerve signal that then goes to the visual cortex which where we can then turn light into images where we can see so right now just look around and kind of marvel at that fact <laughs> that light's coming into the eye and it's helping you see both colors and shapes and distances and it's amazing nice. so in the mid 90s another type of um, receptor that does just about the same thing was it was discovered um, and but instead of going back to the visual cortex it goes back to an area called the master clock which is what you just described the super super nucleus and if you think about anatomical terms they're really very just they're descriptive of where they are so suprachiasmatic, which means that it sits above the optic chiasm which is where the uh the optic nerve crosses over um and it is what is considered the master clock of the brain so it is determining for the entire body what time of day it is, what time of day it thinks it is, okay? And so there's two levels of synchronization that take place. The master clock with the light-dark cycle of the environment, and then every cell tissue in the body synchronizes with the master clock. So your fat cells, your liver cells, your muscle cells, they all have their own clocks, and those clocks are being synchronized by that master clock. Right, and now if you think over the course of a 24-hour day, there's times of the day where the liver is doing certain processes, and there's other times of the day where it's detoxifying, and there's other times of the day it's doing, you know, it's doing different things, and that goes for every every tissue. Every so sometimes it's doing cell cycle repair and growth, sometimes it's forming, you know, uh, I don't know, new osteocytes for, for bone generation, and it's not just doing the same thing all 24 hours a day. It's doing some things at certain times of the day, and some other things at other times of the day and depending on what it's doing it depending on what time of day it thinks it is what's also really important is that um we have what are called phase relationships so let's say at 10 o'clock at night cortisol levels should be low melatonin levels should be high growth hormone levels starting to rise if you're sleeping and now it creates what's this, this unique signature so at that time of day it's not just that one hormone, but it's all these different hormones and the, the signal that it produces will then kind of serve as like a key into a lock saying, okay, now do this cells. And when we end up having what are called mistimed lighting environments where some nights we go to bed at 10 o'clock, but sometimes we go to bed at 2, 3 in the morning, then what you you end up is in this perpetual state of mini jet lag or it's called social jet lag because you are choosing to do this. You're not actually flying across the countries, but you might as well be because – the light is changing so rapidly and now again our bodies can adjust but it takes days for them to adjust and in that in that period where it's adjusting you see things like mood disturbance think about how you feel when you the first few days when you arrive in a new country if you've traveled you know across uh, you know across the globe you feel out of it right you don't have low energy Um, oftentimes we're alerted by this new environment and that's fun and exciting but um, you have mood disturbance. Uh, you have your your eating is off. You may not feel very hungry or, or extra hungry. You might actually be you know really want the gelato. You might you might not you might love gelato, <laughs> but you might say yes to it five times a day when you're when you first arrive. So there's, um, it has it has effects on all sorts of our physiology, our behavior, and uh, and even the way, even our gene, uh, gene regulation as well. So it's really really important and. Now, not everything is necessarily directly under control of the master clock, but the master clock then communicates with all other different cell groups within the hypothalamus, which is controlling kind of these automatic responses in the background of our physiology, things like breathing rate and heart rate and uh, and uh, food intake, blood pressure regulation. And so that, and uh, and pretty much every hormone that is released in the body has an origin at within the hypothalamus. So it will um, kind of under, under direct control of this master clock is basically our entire neuroendocrine system. And so, yeah, you can see how that's going to then have an effect on just about every other tissue in the body that way as well. Yeah.
2: So something that I'm just having, like, as you're talking, I'm having this analogy pop up in my head. You know, it's like I recently was reading about ocean currents, you know and it's just like mm-hmm. like Hadley cells and the wind and the air pressure and the water pressure and the temperature change and it's constantly in this circulation the ocean you know it's like it's constantly yeah. spinning and it's constantly rotating around the sun and, you know it's constantly yeah. in this motion you yeah. know and, and and somehow human beings have developed an ego enough to think that we're separate from that that's yeah. ridiculous you know and so is, you know it's it's an interesting thing like if we were to think <laughs> About the sun. What if the sun just popped up all of a sudden at like 5 p.m. And it was up yeah. for four hours and then it went down. Like, what would that do to us as a society? What would that do to us as individuals? We'd probably be pretty uncomfortable in our reality. That's kind of relate in relation to what we're doing to ourselves, what we're putting ourselves into that, that social jet lag. Is that an okay analogy?
3: I think it's a really great – I think it's not only a gr- good analogy. I think it's a really important one for everybody to – Kind of acknowledge, you know, that it's, it, we sometimes I think we think of um, doing healthy things as though we're like, we're, we're giving ourselves like a health boost. Like, oh, if I go for a walk today, then I have perfect health without it. But then if I go for a walk, it's going to be health boosting. Right. I, I, it's a being physically active, getting enough sleep, eating the right foods, it's a part of health. And when you take that away, then and a fundamental aspect of why we're healthy is removed, and that's why we see chronic disease, et cetera, happen when we don't, pr- you know, provide our bodies, you know, what it needs. And which is, and it's kind of shocking that we can even maintain the health we can for the years that we can um, when we're not giving it the right types of stimulation. Right. And so we absolutely need to think about okay, we have there's a way to make our bodies work really, really well. And when you do that, it feels really good and you do it right. It feels really good and everything is working. You know, you feel like you're at your best and you know it. And then there's a way that you don't do that. And so many things about modern life um, cause us to live in this manner that is discordant with our what our biology is really needs. And I think that that's a, a very serious, that is my opinion, that is the cause of most modern illness. And... Um, and the data supports that absolutely. Lifestyle accounts for 80% of the two trillion dollar healthcare bill that the United States faces, simply from you know doing not doing the things that our body needs to to be really healthy. Right. And unfortunately, only four percent of spending goes towards addressing you know towards goes towards prevention, and that's because it seems instead of it goes towards handling the the symptoms and. Uh, And that's, there's a real opportunity there. uh, But it's also really frustrating. And uh, that's why, you know, people, you know, people that are doing podcasts like yourself that are spreading the good message, it's, you know, really fundamental importance. So Kudos for doing this, and then if you're listening, kudos for listening.
2: <laughs> yeah, well, it's a, a similar concept of, of you know going to the music thing or whatever you consider to be church to you, you know, mm-hmm. beneficial people, and taking that that space bubble, you know, that's there. It's like wow, this feels so safe and expressive and great here, and pulling that out somewhere else. So hopefully, people that are listening to their headphones right now can kind of take this if they find it valuable and send that somewhere else. Send that somewhere else, and then they exponentially. I, I yeah. really think that we can get some some traction here. <laughs> oh yeah.
3: And I think, and I think it's happening. I think it's happening. Unfortunately, I think you're going to have, there are those, I feel like the self-preservation runs strong within most of us. And sometimes if you see somebody that is maintains an attitude where they're just a little bit dismissive of health right. techniques, it might be because they've, they, they, they tried 25 of them and they only got sicker because it, maybe they were operating under the wrong paradigm for health. Yeah. And they, they become, I think, reticent to like, hey, you know what, this health thing is BS. But what I'm very excited about is this movement more towards ancestral methods to be well, to be healthy. And that's not a complete endorsement of, let's say, the paleo diet per se, although there's a lot of great to it. Um, but what I think is it's saying, okay, what, what was life like prior to modernity, where we had, whether it's, you know, the agricultural revolution the industrial revolution the digital revolution whatever that is what was life like before that because that constitutes over 99 percent of our time on earth and it was during that time where this gene environment relationship was formed and so the nice thing is is so much of these health issues are completely addressable if you have the right information and you've got some good techniques then you can do then it's up to you and you can you can make the effort to uh to you know, to kind of do the right thing, and that's gonna, and you're gonna get all the benefits that you possibly can. You're gonna have perfect health, plus with modern technology, modern medicine, which can then you know help fight you know infectious disease, et cetera. You can have a you know very long lifespan, a very good health span, and perform. Not only that, live long and be healthy, but you can then perform really well day by day. And I, I think a lot of people really care about about exactly what we're talking about here.
2: Yeah. And so, uh, going back to to ancestral lifestyle choices, you know, in, in the past, you know, you can see like the, the, the bone density of folks p- from the pre-agrarian age, they're a bit yeah. denser. It's a bit stronger. Their, their systems yeah. are a bit more robust. That could be from a lot of things probably because they're moving more, but yep. there's probably some other factors involved in that as well. You know, it's like now we're in this, this human zoo, You know, it's like it's that's okay. You can be a very healthy animal in a zoo. You just need to make sure that you're tapping into those original ancestral practices, one of which is we sanitize everything. We're sterilizing like crazy. You know, like I don't shampoo my hair. You know, people Mm -hmm. are like, oh, that's gross. You know, like I don't use soap very much. Like if I jump in a river, that's good. I feel really at peace with that. Yeah, you know, and it's like you look at our body. It's like ninety percent of our bacteria, our 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 DNA, the, you know, the DNA in our body is that of bacteria. That's outside of humanness is a number yeah. that gets thrown around a lot. You know, so I'm curious Another thing in relation to sleep, they have a circadian rhythm of themselves. Is that is that accurate? Mm-hmm. Our microbiome is is doing the same thing. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So there's a whole field of metagenetics, which is um, or metagenomics, which is this interaction between our genes and the genes of the trillions of bacteria that live within our GI tract. Not to even speak of this, the bacteria that are in our skin and in our mouth, and and so um, you know we have these what are called commensal bacteria, which are bacteria that live in a symbiotic fashion with with it within us. And you know the most kind of extreme example is probably. You might um uh, oh god, what am I forgetting the name of it? Um um the this the powerhouses and cells that Mitochondria. Are... Thank you. I kept okay. I kept thinking microbiota because yeah, we were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. But these, yeah. So these were probably single-celled organisms that lived outside of the body, and they co-evolved right. in, inside of us. And they have their own plasmids, of so their own kind of genetic structure. That, and they. So we have these foreign organisms that are living within us that power a lot of the energy production within our within our bodies. Right. So it's only kind of weird to think about it until you think that it's actually a completely normal thing. But these trillions of bacteria that live within us they have their own 24 hour cycles as you were saying right. and um, and so we we know that circadian rhythms our circadian rhythms as the host not only affect our own genes but also affect the activity of these of these microbiota and these microbiota are really important to our health because you know what they they will produce uh, gut derived peptides so the types of foods you know, when we eat certain types of foods certain peptides are released those peptides will either stimulate um, Kind of trigger or activate certain neurons within uh, within our gut, so they give s- signals of satiety, or they tell the, the the brain other sorts of messages, and they'll also produce different types of uh, hormones like GLP one and Ppy. These are peptides that are released in response to foods that help the brain feel full. Um, they'll also produce short chain fatty acids, which keep the internal lining of the gut strong and not um, you know leaky. So they you know they're doing all sorts of positive beneficial things, but at, when we have an over-sanitized life, we're not eating the right types of food, we don't have enough fiber in our diet, we end up with a simplification of our colony, which means that mm-hmm. instead of having really diverse colony with lots of different types of bacteria, we end up having a um, kind of fewer fewer uh, types of bacteria. And that ends up leading to a, a situation where um, when a pathogenic bacteria gets inside of us, then it has more of a chance to get a foothold and then make us sick. And I used to get sick all the time, and it was so frustrating because being somebody that was trying to do a lot of health, you know, that was a kind of a health advocate and somebody that was, um, you know, interested in the subject and wanted to do everything that I could to be healthy, I was so frustrated that I was getting that I'd get sick a lot. And I was on erythromycin for acne when I was a kid, so I probably did some damage to my microbiota uh, because if you think, you know, antibiotics, they can wipe out your your microbiota, and. Um, but as I've been adopting more of an ancestral method of, you know, for wellness, then I haven't been sick in a long time. And, uh, that, that was just, that's so foreign to me because since I was a teenager, I was sick several times a year and I'd get, re, you know, really sick. So I'd get flus and I'd get strep throat. So now it's, you know, I still get sick every once in a while, but it's with much, much less frequency noticeably, like one tenth the amount.
2: Yeah. That so was, that was last night, for whatever reason, I felt strongly, uh, this strong urge to write down that, that the key to finding for entrepreneurs out there, people that are looking to create value for the world or whatever it may be, you know, is finding the thing that you've been challenged by and mm-hmm. that you are either working on solving or you've solved, you know? And it's like, that's, yeah. that's the key. If you can find that, I think that that is like the foothold to really feeling like you're having a fulfilled life. So many people were just like, just want some money. You know but yeah. It's like, yeah. If you figure out like, you know what I, me as a human, I had this issue. That means that there's at least a hundred thousand other people out there with the same issue. Yeah. You know, so, do you know like what why you were getting sick or like how you kind of transitioned that? Or, or... well, you know, I've been taking.
3: Um, it's It's hard to you know necessarily pinpoint exactly what it was, but I think getting on top of my sleep, um, because I had a. It, it, it's kind of a, it's funny. Like I we're talking about dancing earlier in the um, in, in you know our chat, but I. So I used to go out late all the time. So three or four nights a week. So I was really screwing up my own circadian rhythms. And I have this—I uh, had a kind of an incredible ability to just stay up late. And everybody would be asking, like, nice. "Hey, what are you on?" And I'm like, "Nothing. I don't even drink." Right. And, and you know, everybody thought I was like, uh, you know, on some like you know super alertness drug. And but I I have that ability, and it's probably because I have a what's called long tau. And a tau is your own internal clock time. So circadian means about 24 hours. And this is really interesting. So we have our, um, if you were put into a stimulation free environment, so a completely dark room without interaction with people sound and particularly light, then, um, you, you might find that your daily rhythm was 26 hours instead of 24 or 27 hours, and they can go up to 30 hours. So I probably have what it's a long tau, which means that my internal rhythm is probably closer to 30 hours, which means that I can, I shift and drift very easily if I don't get enough, if I don't get enough daylight during the day and I get too much light at night. And now that I'm more mindful of it, then, and I, by the way, I had serious consequences from it. So I was sick a lot. um, But I was also really, really sleepy all the time to the point where when I got a sleep study done at Stanford, I thought that I they, I had, I didn't have narcolepsy because I didn't have the characteristic kind of fingerprint uh, signature of what my sleep looked like, but I had the same degree of sleepiness right. as a narcoleptic. Right. And Because what I was focusing on, like most people do, if you're like, well, you know, what's the most important thing about sleep? Well, getting enough time in bed, right? So I would go out late, but then I would then sleep eight hours and so i thought god you know hey i'm getting enough sleep it's just shifted yeah. and i had no idea i didn't know anything about sleep at the time and now that i do I, uh, it's like okay all right i know exactly why this is going on i was in this show social jet lag right. i was you know younger and single and um i you know, love dancing and that's you know and great parties late into the night so i would just do that all the time um so now actually it's funny because now that I know a lot more about circadian rhythms, it's really interfered with my going out and dancing. Because too bad. I mean, I wish that I wish that you know, really good dance parties would all start at 5 p.m. and go you know go to midnight at, at the latest. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I hate. I I used to have a bit of I, I guess judgment. It was really silly judgment, but it was uh, ecstatic dance. I was like ah, bunch yeah. of hippies. And then yep. I went to a really good ecstatic dance. Yeah. And I was like blown away by how incredible that experience was. Like top. Mm. Top five, uh, you know, my life experiences mm. with one of my mm. best buddies, DJ Naughty. Check him out. Fantastic SoundCloud. Um, you know, just amazing oh. music, like world music and drums and beats and like awesome. Amazonian funk and then just like heavy hitting bass. It's just like, raw, like full expressive movement. And this, yeah. is, this is at like 5 p.m. in the day and we just go for like three hours. A bunch yeah. of sober people not talking, rolling around each other, doing handstands, break dancing, just getting weird, whatever you're into.
3: Yeah, yeah, very, very nice. <laughs> yeah, so that's
2: I want to see more of
3: that because it's really um, it's unfortunate that dance is not spoken about in terms of uh, you know physical activity and movement. It it'd be, it'd be such a wonderful thing if it was a part of everybody's week, right. um, and if it happened more than once a week, then that's great. Um, you know, and so I I'd love to see that happen more. And I think ecstatic dance, where it's you're not necessarily going out and drinking and staying up late and doing these other things that are you know problematic to your health if you do it enough and you, you know, and in terms of frequency and then also in quantity, right. you know then you end up um it's kind of like trading you know one good thing for uh, you know a bad thing for a good thing. So, I love the idea of like having these like happy hours which is that you know that that party that I was telling you about where it's it starts early and just get you know get out there be social do some dancing get some movement in and you know and work your body in like this creative way where you're responding to the music instead of just like doing a repetitive pattern over and over again which again I don't mind but it's just not when you when you kind of like tap into that the ability that dance can you know like but that feeling that it can provide you it's like whoa this is so this is just so fun and yeah. and, and creative and yeah. yeah so
2: yeah and and so a question that i don't think you probably get asked too often in relation to sleep because it's always how do you sleep better you know like yeah. w- what yeah. about so something that i've noticed with myself in the last year or so i kind of had this time frame of being Really, really engaged in health practices and the whole like self-quantified self movement and all that stuff. And just, Mm -hmm. just like tip dipping my feet into that and feeling what that is. And what I feel like I've learned from that is that there's a lot of value in it, but Mm -hmm. you can also end up martyring yourself for health, which isn't very healthy. You know, so I think sometimes I'm I wonder just like fasting can be really healthy. You know, or Mm -hmm. just like sometimes eating a big meal can be really healthy. Or you know, there's all these different realms that our body's like, okay, great, this is natural. What about staying up? Super late. What about yeah. staying up till sunrise, having a psychedelic experience or maybe, you know, with or without drugs and just getting weird? You know, like what about that? How's our, how's our biology react to pulling all nighters from time to time? If it's just this expansive experience, is that like way is that like out there?
3: <laughs> it's a really interesting question because I, I, I don't think that. You know, pre-modern, it was we had incredible, like incredible regularity. In fact, you know, like we always went to bed at 10 p.m. I mean, no, I I think that there were there's uh, evidence that dancing actually played a really significant part of the amount of movement to kind of go back to dance. So where they would they would have. You know, build around a fire. They'd be drumming and singing, and there would yeah. be this kind of teutonic rhythms that would just kind of people would dance around. And it was a, a. It turns out that a very large amount of the total amount of energy that we expended was happened through dance. And so that's why if you when you do kind of tap into it, you, you feel like you're tapping into something that's like kind of more ancient or or very much a part of us. So to kind of go, to answer your question, you know, is is there some is there something good about then challenging your your sleep? Um, you know, I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that as long as you're not doing it so frequently, which I was for a while, basically every weekend I would go instead of going to bed at, you know, midnight I'd go to bed at three or four, um, that can be, that can be problematic. And, but you know, again, it has a lot to do with your own sensitivity. You know, now one thing that I should say about sleep is sometimes people don't respond to sleep loss by being sleepy sometimes you start to then act in very strange ways that is uncharacteristic of yourself. So you might, it might change what are called your economic preferences. So like how you're evaluating different things in life, like risk-taking, et cetera. Um, It might affect social relationships or your perception of social threat for people that you're interacting with, like just the facial expressions that they're giving you, how attuned you are to them. And so there's lots of ways that it can change the way you're perceiving and reacting within the world. and some of those are a lot of them. Are, oftentimes, are beyond your own awareness of them. Sometimes you, you're like, "Oh gosh, I'm really, I'm really affected by this," but oftentimes you're not. You're just making the decision according to you. And in retrospect, you might say, well, "That wasn't me. You know, that was definitely off." Um, so yeah, so that's one thing that I can kind of mention about the weirdness of sleep. Um, but I also think that sometimes, like you said, there's this orthorexia, which is trying to be so healthy to like to an unhealthy degree. Um, you know, I'm. It's funny because t- tapping into a couple things that you've said, I'm a he- you know health entrepreneur. So what I do with, with Dan's plan is all about trying to help solve some problems that you know I've had. Whether and the big problem is like, well, all right. So if I'm dedicated to health, how do you actually help somebody else be healthy? And that's a really fun and interesting, challenging puzzle. How do you get? How do? How do I, somebody who cares a lot about health, work with anybody else that's saying, "Hey, can I? You know, I, I'm interested to work with you in some way to help solve a certain problem, or I'm, you know, I'm interested in your perspective on things." And how do you get them into a healthy pattern forever? And a lot of the work that I've done, um, the study around behavior has on, all centered around that. So I developed a behavior model called the Loop Model to sustain health behaviors. And it's all about what are the things that get somebody from, to a place of high self-regulatory capability, which means that they themselves are not necessarily reliant on a tool. They might choose to use certain tools to their advantage, but they can regulate their own health in perpetuity forever in an effective manner. That's super stimulating to me to think about what do you, what, what is required to do that. Right. Um, and so, yeah, and my kind of, I describe my entrepreneurial efforts as all about what is required to, uh, it's kind of, you know, if it's just a very strict order. Help people and then create high-value, low-cost solutions for people. So then if I, I want the business to be successful so that the primary mission of helping people can sustain. I can keep doing it forever. But that is how I look at, you know, my work uh, kind of doing, being a health entrepreneur. Um, But yeah, anyway, so, and part of that came from, Me working in cancer. My dad had a cancer diagnosis. Me trying to help him, giving a bunch of information, and him not doing any, changing anything. And I think a lot of that might just have to do with, like, you know, it's hard to take advice from somebody that you know, particularly if it's your son. And even though we had a great relationship, um, but it got me thinking. You know, after he passed away, I was like, okay, so this is a, it's a really clear signal that information alone is oftentimes not enough. And yet, we sometimes try to squeeze, you know, blood out of a turnip. We we over over overly rely on information alone, and so there are other things that get us or not, or you know, get us to do something or prevent us from doing something. What are all those different features? So, um, anyway, that's just to take a step back. But yeah, it's um, you know, that's my my whole mission is then to say, well, sleep is really it's super important. Let's talk about it. Let's show you the connections, and then let's also give you some tools. And I think that quantified self by tracking. Um, you can use that to your advantage because it's really a long-term engagement strategy, yeah. and part of the benefit is helping set goals. So it's really good if I have a clear idea of what time I usually want to go to bed, in you know during the week. And the reason that's good is because it's a really easy to say, well, if I, I need to be in bed by eleven to have that, you know, to really not be going to sleep until eleven forty-five because you've watched another episode of TV or you're reading a little bit more of your book or you're just kind of lollygagging around. And so there's a valuable place for you know, uh, quantified self to kind of help us engage, to be mindful of what our goals are. But then again, I want to create things in a way where you're not overly strict. If you want to go out and you want to have that celebration, you're going you're gonna to drink, you're going to do whatever, that you, can, you do that because that's a part of living life too. Right. Absolutely. Right. But it's, your, your general pattern is a healthy one and some technologies can help with that yeah. if designed
2: correctly. Yeah. There's the Peter Drucker quote, you know, what gets measured gets managed, you know, and I Mm -hmm. think that's, I think that's valuable to a point, you know, but I think that it's very easy. Just like anything, you can go too far with that and you can get to a point where you're so attached to your number that you miss out on your life. You know, you're out at the dance party, you're kissing the girl, whatever it is. You're like, wow, my serotonin levels are a seven. This is, it's like, shut up. Right, <laughs> you know, right. It's, it's like you're missing it because yeah. you're so attached to your quantification of yourself that you are not a freaking statistic. If you, can find, you can use these tools to guide the elephant, you know, but I think it's very important that we find a balance with that. And it feels like you do have a balance with that. So I appreciate your approach to the whole quantified self movement.
3: Well, thank you. Well, I have to say, I crushed my steps at Symbiosis because I was dancing my ass off. <laughs> right. uh, no, I, I think the more that you can make the quantification fun versus homework, then right. the more likely then that that is going to help. If you live, if you're in this world where you're just, you know, if, you, if it's always if it helps make health fun, that's great. Yeah. And you know, but then and then sometimes it can then say, okay, you know, all right, you know, I'm now go, I've gone to bed my, my average sleep time for the week is 1am. I gotta, you know, I get, it can also kind of serve as a a, kind of a little bit of a nudge to say, okay, I can do, I should be doing better than that. So it's, yeah, you're right though. It's, it's, it can be helpful. Um, and you you gotta then, you know, it's not about being perfect. It's about having just a good solid pattern and, you know, and maintaining that. And sometimes that means, you know, the the healthiest thing you can do is breaking that pattern for a day or two and going and doing something kind of wacky and that, and that's, I'm totally about that.
2: Yeah. So I have about a million things that I want to talk about and we have like 10 minutes to talk about it. So <laughs> it's very depressing to me, uh, but, but uh, I want to make sure that we, something that I think a lot of people find maybe a little bit dubious might be an okay word for it, but it's, it's sometimes it's tough to convince somebody mm. that all sleep is created equal, you know, or, or that all sleep is not created equal rather, you know? And so it's like, is, is every eight hours the same eight hours? What if you're surrounded by EMF? What if you're surrounded by alternating currents? What if, you're, what if you drank a bunch of caffeine, you still fell asleep? What if blah, 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 blah opiates? Yep. What, so many different potentials. Like, yep. can we get into, what is, the, what is the best eight hours of sleep and what's the difference between that? I want to talk about dreaming too. <laughs> yeah, okay. So yeah, so sleep is,
3: is um, not all eight hours are the same. For sure. And we'll use eight hours, by the way, as just kind of like the standard sleep, you know, sleep duration. Although we all have our individual need. So you, you know, you Aaron might thrive off of seven and a half. That's the type of sleep that you need. If you were allow yourself what I call complete sleep, which is to get all the sleep that your body wants. Seven and a half might be great for you. But you had this really hard workout and you now, you know, and you're finding an infection or whatever, you might need closer to eight. So there's even within-person variability, um, you know, if you were to look at your pattern over a six-month period, you could say, okay, hey, I, I, I got all the sleep that I needed and, and, and it was seven and a half hours, but then there's still some fluctuation within that. But now, which I was describing earlier with my own kind of sleep, practice when I was going out dancing. So let's say I usually go to bed at midnight and I wake up at eight. And I would go to bed at four and wake up at noon, it's eight hours, but it's not going to be as restorative, mm. even though it's eight hours. And that's because circadian rhythms, for example, are absolutely involved in the, all the different phases of sleep that you can get. So there's two big classes of sleep. There's non-REM, and then there is REM, rapid eye movement sleep. Rapid eye movement sleep is when you are dreaming. And it's also the night where you're doing memory consolidation and it has uh, there's also some work out of Berkeley that shows that the perception of of threat um, social threat is also uh, a kind of happens um, during REM sleep so your ability to again detect facial dispers- expressions and see what people are kind of what signals they're giving you is is um, has a lot to do with the type of REM sleep that you get um, during slow waves or non-REM sleep Uh, there's four different phases, uh, one, two, and what used to be called three and four. Now it's bundled together and called slow wave During slow wave sleep. You have, uh, it's very, you kind of look at the, the architecture of sleep, these big high amplitude waves. And during that time you are getting rid of what's called sleep pressure. So your, your brain is clearing out all sorts of, um, byproducts from energy usage. Some of those byproducts are things called adenosine. And if you think about what energy is, it's adenosine triphosphate. So adenosine is one of you know, is kind of the breakdown chemical of adenosine triphosphate. So after energy usage, you're going to have the accumulation of adenosine. The accumula- accumulation of adenosine in the forebrain is then going to lead to sleepiness. And then during sleep, you per- you get rid of that. You wear it down. Um, you also will clear beta amyloid protein, which um, if you're familiar with Alzheimer's, it's the accumulation of beta amyloid, which is um, which then leads to these gooey plaques within the brain that then prevents and interferes with nerve conductance and and with accessing memory. Mm. And so you want to be able to clear beta amyloid really really well and during this phase of sleep in fact it you know even within slow wave sleep there's if you look at the architecture there's uh, of course, 0.4 to 1 hertz. That's one type of slow wave sleep, and then there's 1 to 4 hertz. And that's a different type of slow wave sleep. It's the point. It's a 0.4 to 1 hertz type of slow wave sleep that is actively clearing this beta amyloid plaque. So, um, and what happens is that during that type of sleep, the space between neurons will increase by 60% and then cerebral spinal, cerebral spinal fluid will rush in. It'll clear away these neurotoxic substances and it'll then, uh, and it gets rid of them. So every night this, this, you know, power cleanse happens where this washer fluid comes in, it clears away all the plaque. And then, um, and you know, you start the next day with a healthy, healthy brain. Um, so if you're not getting it now during slow wave sleep, there's a, component of it that is controlled by circadian rhythm. So the efficiency of the process to do what I just described is in part determined by what time of day your brain thinks that it is. So your brain is going to be much more efficient at somewhere between, let's say, let's say you usually go to bed again at midnight and you wake up at you know eight at like one you know midnight, uh, one, two in the morning, then it would be at you know five, six, and seven um, if you were then if you just shifted your sleep. So that's why you want to and then also REM sleep, around 4 a.m. is when your body is primed to get really intense REM sleep. So Can then,
2: I interject yeah, something really quick? Sure, sure. So, so something I think a lot of people are curious about as well, myself included, is so if you go to sleep at midnight every night and wake up at 8 every day, <sighs> Is that okay, or is it like you gotta be attended to? Is the magic hour? Is what a lot of people say? It's like those four hours. Like, or is it just because that's the standard norm, or does that have something to do with you know the earth and the, what? Can we kind of tweak that?
3: Yeah, yeah, we can tweak it. Um, so, yeah, because the there's this you know what's happening in the environment when light goes down. If you were if you were living within a kind of a artificial light-free environment, then as the Sun, the intensity and the tone of light changed and would go from kind of dusk to uh, to to dark, then that would stimulate the production of melatonin. Melatonin would then initiate this transcription translation relationship within the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which then starts to then initiate part of the cascade for sleep onset and sleep maintenance. And so your body is now responding naturally to these environmental signals. But because we have artificial light in our environment and we can control temperature and light, all that, then we, we can now shift that. And so, um, you know, is the, are you going to get better sleep uh, by living just simply according to, you know, n- to nature and, and those signals? Um, you know, I don't know if, if, that's, if that's absolutely true. If you pay really close attention to how the type of light you're giving yourself um, – Artificially. So for example, to be real specific about it, during the day I try to get at least a half an hour of time outside. And that is because the intensity of light is much greater outside than it is inside to a surprising degree.
2: It's like ten thousand right. lux units to like what what is it inside it's something small?
3: Yeah, inside, you know, I mean from a a candle it's one lux to inside it could be up to, you know, three, four, five thousand lux where Outside on a brightly bright lit day, um, in the midsummer, it's going to be over a hundred thousand lux. Right. Right. So much, much different. More than you'd realize. If you go from bright outside to a well lit inside room, you wouldn't think that it was that much of a difference, but it is. Nice. And so imagine all those photons landing on the back of the retina, and you get a, your brain gets a very strong signal that it's daytime yeah. um, when that happens. And so you want to get outside for at least a half an hour, and then in the evening, and if you think about it, all, we're, all you're really trying to do is mimic somewhat the kind of the natural change of external light. So you start to then di- turn off as the, um, it's starting to get dark. Um, you know, the first, you know, let's say, I, all right, I'll, I'll, let's say I go to bed at, uh, you know, 10, you know, and it's starting to get dark at, let's say six. Well, I might keep the lights on full till seven, and then seven, I start to then, you know, turn off some lights and dim them a little bit. And then eight, I'm dimming them a little more. And then nine, it's pretty darn dim. Right. And then so not only am I changing kind of the intensity, but I'm turning off lights where I can. And then you also want to try to filter blue light because blue light is a daytime signal. And that doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, black light, blue light. It just means full spectrum light. So you want to go more to an incandescent um, hue. Right. And or or you can wear glasses. I have a, a special pair of glasses make that filter blue light. So I put them on two hours from bed. And so you create what's called virtual darkness where you can see, but you're not telling your brain that it's day. And that, and not you know, so so much of our modern world is characterized by a light deficiency, and then also a darkness deficiency, because we're not getting enough strong bright light, and then we're also not getting enough darkness, because even the time that we're awake, it's all filled with artificial light, and so we're producing less melatonin, and melatonin not only helps to your brain, brain and body know what time of day it is, but it also is has a really powerful antioxidant role throughout the body, anti-cancer, affects gene regulation. So it's you know, this is this is. One of the reasons probably why we're ending up with certain chronic diseases is because of this this inter- the the art the weird environment that we put our bodies in creates a weird internal environment and then over time that weird internal environment can break
2: something right yeah, it's kind of like the the jewel beetle it is like in Australia, the jewel beetle there's this story of this beetle. And uh, what happened was that they, these beer bottles that looked, they had the same hue and they had these little dimples. They looked just like female jewel beetles. So, mm-hmm. the, so the male beetles were screwing the beer bottles. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and, they, and they were like, they were like this is a serious, <laughs> we got to clean these bottles up because the beetles are getting confused for the real thing. And yeah. their population is dwindling. Wow. We're kind of doing that with light. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. We, we, we start doing weird things because we're, those, those beetles are, are acting naturally towards this artificial signal. Right. And uh, like when our, when our brains don't produce melatonin, they're responding the way that they should, but to an abnormal signal. Right. Right. Which is I'm not going to produce melatonin until it's light until it's dark. Excuse me. Yeah. So, um, now the nice thing is with the right amount of information, these are all, these are things that you control. Um, and so, yeah, so, you know, and then what I'll also mention, because you asked the question of, you know, is eight hours, eight hours. So not only is the timing matter, but then um, the way to facilitate intensity, the right a real deep sleep, um, not only is being consistent with your timing. So sleeping during the same circadian phase that you do. So, you know, midnight to eight, whatever that is, um, but then also getting enough physical activity and light intensity during the day. So, you know, getting out and it doesn't have to be a lot, but use your body. Um, don't sit for long periods of time. I mean, one thing that we see, good example is if you have somebody that is under bed rest for long periods of time is their sleep gets really, really messed up, yeah. right? So, um, you know, that's it's just a good example. Like use use your body, be outside when you can. And if you're in an environment that's very hospitable, so, you know, a high latitude and it's cold and dark, you can think about getting a blue light uh, emitting device there's a phillips go light you could put it by your desk and you're going to give your brain um enough blue light during the day to help it anchor it to know that it's it's daytime so that's something that you can do if you're you know probably your latitude or higher
2: yeah right awesome, yeah man well i i wonder hopefully possibly maybe down down the line we could do like a part two or something like that because i i literally sure. i literally have like 30 questions that i'm like dang it <laughs> I need to. I, I, yeah, I, I talk a lot. <laughs> no, it's no, it's great. It's amazing. But, that, but anyway, yeah, it would be really. I wanted to talk about the pineal gland. I want to talk about dreaming. I want to talk about a lot of interesting and, and actionable tips and sleep and blah 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 blah. So if we could cool. do a part two, that'd be really fun. But I don't want to take up your time. We're already one minute past the deadline. So uh, how, how how do people find you and learn more about this stuff? I think Dance is fantastic. I, I really appreciate your approach to holistic health. Even though that's kind of like a, a butchered word, but I really think you are a genuine holistic health guy. So I appreciate Thank that. Thank you.
3: Yeah. Oh well, I appreciate that too. As you're saying it, and uh, it's the goal. You know, it's um, you know, it's it's kind of saying how do you how do you get all the the, the right environmental and lifestyle inputs so that you are you have your the, the efforts that you're making are effective at yeah. keeping you healthy and performing well. Yeah. Um, and part of that, so dance plan is this, this tool that I've been building over years. Um, very big, very exciting changes coming up, um, at the end of the year, I'm actually going to be rebranding it to human OS and launching probably Q1 of 2016, um, and doing all sorts of health courses and, um, and then kind of further enhancing the tracking tools that we've created. But we, on dance plan now, if you go there and sign up, Um, you get access to the blogs that I write I talk, talk about all sorts of topics. I mean, I just wrote a topic about, um, friendship, which is, relates to our health so much, but it's not a commonly discussed, you know, health topic, um, dietary fat and sleep and on and on and on. And then also, um, the, the tools, if you have a Fitbit or, and which by the way, if you don't have a Fitbit, you can also download the app and you could then just use your phone as a tracking device. Mm. But then we, we create what's called a, a health zone score. And the idea is then to say, okay, let's look at different aspects of lifestyle. And are you living within your health zone? And um, so it's so much about tracking ends up being about performance improvement. There's, that is a common and sometimes problematic thread in health that you always need to be getting better. But that's not true because it's exciting at first, but then it can, you can run off this cliff where you just be like, oh my gosh, now my health practice is like killing me. You know, I've, right. it's so hard to do. What I really care about is are we providing the right type of stimulation that Consistently across time, and you know, I'm I I love using my own you know these own tools that we've created because it's it's simple it's they address the mundane but meaningful and so yeah I'd say take a look and you know you can use just even parts that you want there's recipes there's workouts there's tracking there's the blogs and then um and and then also Twitter so I use Twitter mostly just to blog about stuff I'm reading or not not blog but just kind of retweet stuff I'm tweeting so it's a little more technical um. And, uh, but yeah, check it out if you're, if you're kind of into the, a little more deeply into the health, you know, all things relate to gut microbiome sleep, et cetera. Radical, man.
2: Thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, I will hopefully see you at a freaky dance party in Marin. <laughs> yeah.
3: Uh, yeah. Hey, you know, let, let me know if you're, if you're, when you're coming down and uh,
2: yeah, for have sure. past, past past some coffee or tea. Cool, man. All right. Cheers. Thank you, bro. Take care
3: and
4: take care. <laughs>
0: Même chaîne, pouvoir, argent, même plan Crainte et ignorance, il y a l'évidence Issue de la même graine La main de Dieu et celle du diable s'enfile dans le même gant Et quand ils s'abat, en moi c'est souvent sur les mêmes têtes Les doigts verts, couleur pillée, regarde-les nous manipuler Et nous, braves marionnettes, on continue à s'entretuer Le cœur tellement plus noir que cet orbe ne verra noir. jamais couler Ils en ont rien à foutre qu'un matin, tout menace de s'écrouler On veut du blanc, tu sais, couleur aile de colombe qui garde le rouge sans les balles, de le feu et les tombes grises, comme le ciel, jadis bleu comme la mer, ce qu'ils aiment c'est le paquet et ses horreurs, ses retombées financières, même s'il y a foule au champ d'honneur, chaque soir la mort joue à qui fermé, comme leurs yeux, ce qu'ils aiment c'est compter donc beaucoup doivent tomber, passe qui email, histoire de dire qu'il y en a marre d'elle, mais eux la kiffent trop, chaque fois ils demandent un rappel, c'est juste un cri de paix contre leur guerre, sortie d'un gun microphonique, on touche pas aux bombes, nous on chevauche sur ondes radiophoniques, et nos bras de plumes et de nos peurs les plus intimes. Grave cette missive en mémoire de toutes leurs victimes.
1: Could we bring it to the world? Could we bring it to...
4: Nos sociétés décident de ce qu'est l'héroïsme Ce qui est bien ou mal, qui est patriote Qui est traître à la nation Une pyramide cimentée d'égoïsme Ou la rage d'une génération révoltée city avec des pluies d'héroïnes Les collègues, l'idéalisme La voie vers un métier d'avenir Un plan pour le futur Mais les roues du sang Mon pensée tracé plus dur s'est chargé de me ramener vite au réalisme Même pour la sape, l'humilétisme C'est tout un rang, tous pareils, on prend pas de risque. Sans bruit, sans vagues, la pornographie du l'érotisme Pas de finesse et les brans, à salope Quand la gamine choquée, attendait une bague, Les complexes et aux extrêmes, religion, grand banditisme Faire du mal aux autres est plus simple, donc c'est la deuxième C'est un connard, ça s'écrit avec deux ailes Le manque de couilles et de cramp, fait que ça plafonne vite Dans le plus mythe vandalisme C'est normal si les gens versent dans l'arrivisme Le système taille sa part de gloire à l'individu En guettant sa chute, il passe au voyeurisme Et la masse se régale, des morceaux d'étoiles éclatés sur le bitume Les mêmes pleurent et traitent les gamins d'ordures On voit même pas leur môme adoré être aussi tordu, radoncissent le chemin de la foi au fanatisme Il valide les tirs à bout portant si c'est l'anarchie
1: non, 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 non. Could we bring it to...